Welcome to the Battleground Wisconsin. My name is Matt Bruski and I'm the Deputy Director here at Citizen Action of Wisconsin. And welcome to a gorgeous summer here in the great state of Wisconsin. We're now post-state fair, which means folks are headed back to school. But I'll tell you, man, summer is still in top gear. It's been busy. Robert Craig is with us. Uh, Priscilla Bort, before I introduce Robert, is on a vacay, much deserved. Robert, good to have you. Good to be here, as always. Good to have you, Robert. We have a ton to talk about. August is one of the slower months, and especially August of a non-election year. It has to be one of the slowest months uh, politically, and yet we have an am- amazing amount of stuff to talk about, Robert. We're about a, a little over a week out from the Republicans invading Milwaukee for the first time. Uh, before the convention next year for their debate, uh, which folks uh, keep your eyes and ears out. There's obviously going to be a lot of activity, protests, events around that. Uh, Stay tuned. But in anticipation of that, Robert, we had a big visit this week from the president of the United States uh, to Milwaukee here, Milwaukee, Wisconsin, the whole state, right? Uh, Which is a big deal um, that President Biden chose to come here to talk about the one-year anniversary of the Inflation Reduction Act, which we worked intensively on. We view that as a historic piece of legislation. It is not everything. We really wanted Build Back Better, but we have a 50-50 Senate, and given that, it was a pretty epic achievement. And Robert, it's the one-year anniversary this week. Remind our listeners just a little bit before we jump into the Biden visit, just a minute on why the Inflation Reduction Act is so historic and why it is a big deal that Biden was here celebrating it. And this this came through, you know, at the very end of Democratic control where uh, wannabe prime minister, maybe president Joe Manchin uh, was blocking everything, stabbed his caucus and the president in the back went on Fox News. And then finally they got this much out of Senator Manchin. Actually, he's fairly unhappy with it because the uh, tax credits for renewable energy are being taken at three times the rate expected. And Republicans are screaming bloody murder that it that it's a budget buster. Well, thank goodness it's even bigger climate impact than predicted because they the current models say what that that there's going to be one point two billion in the tax credits for renewable energy taken alone, not counting all the other parts of the bill. It's a little bit misnamed Inflation Reduction Act, except that long-term renewable energy is much cheaper. So it is, between us, um, not fair to say the reduction in inflation between then and now, which is dramatic, is caused by the Inflation Reduction Act entirely. But let's face it, uh, this is political reality. Presidents get get credit when the economy goes well and blamed when it doesn't. And so the well, Robert, I, I hear you. I, I hear you. And let's remember, that. I'm going to interrupt just a section here, because let's remember the Inflation Reduction Act. We when it was originally named, clearly like saw the cynical sort of nature of it. Inflation was very high, but it is an approach to how you build an economy that is very different than what the Republicans were proposing, right? And that's why I think it was important for Biden to be here, right? Especially given that Foxconn this week just announced both Eau Claire and Green Bay and all that stuff. are It's not happening. Foxconn, the, quote, Republican Trump version of how you build an economy, 
versus Biden's investment in the green economy and investment in workers and, and trying to build and grow an economy in a Keynesian approach, Robert? Yeah, and you 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 put your finger on it there. Uh, the way you build an economy is you invest public money in the things we need to build for prosperity yes. and for the good of the country, in this case, the whole, all of human civilization. You don't just hand it away to Foxconn's or big major league baseball teams or whoever and expect the best. That's what's gone wrong the last 50 years. That's why we have such massive income inequality. And we have a climate crisis. The one good thing about the Inflation Reduction Act, which is mostly a climate plan with some good prescription drug for Medicaid and Medicare medical care um, enhancements and improvements, this is mostly a climate bill. It was in the nick of time. We got seven years to cut emissions almost in half. And this gets us a bunch of the way there. Now, looking at the models, I told you the good news that uh, the uptake on the tax credits is even greater than anticipated. Nonetheless, the mo we need to reduce it by 45%. That's the, that's the international standards to be serious, to prevent runaway climate change, not to end the problem. We have to keep going after that. This gets us somewhere between the models are 35 to 40%. So we might have 10% more to go, or we might have 5% more to go. And it's going to depend a lot on state and local action. Yeah. And there's really good research on this. It's how we do it. There are a lot of localities getting in the way. There are others like Milwaukee trying to be up front. That will be critical. What's also critical is President Biden gets reelected and then and then uh, finishes the job, uh, to quote the president, and yeah. does the full bill back better. And then there are a whole lot of other generational social reforms there, such as guaranteed paid family medical leave, child care, other advances that were part of that package. I can't, I, I'm missing. Yeah, no, Robert, that's it. That in a nutshell, right? It's the one year anniversary, but there is so much work to be done. And it is also the marker to the start of the 2024 election, right? And Biden clearly was laying out how this is a different approach to how you build an economy from what the Republicans and in particular in this state, Ron Johnson has supported, right? And it was very clear to lay that out. Ingatine, the company where the event was had, was chosen because that was a company that first was built with stimulus resources and Obama's initial support to get it and it's building some renewable energy. This Inflation Reduction Act it has convinced them to now build batteries that they were not going to build and invest in a whole growth in building batteries. So this is very important to understand why they were there. But Robert, you're absolutely right. There's a shite ton of work to be done. And that's why we have to win the 2024 election. And that's why it is so important and why Biden is out talking about this agenda for folks to understand beyond all the discussion around the indictments, there's real fundamental, important debate about what kind of economy we want to have going well, forward. There's, Robert. Here's about democracy. It's both the procedures, the, the safeguards of democracy, like the person who wins elections takes office, uh, among other things. Uh, that there's an independent judiciary system, but then there's also what you do with democracy and the crisis is twofold. 
And let me just say, so this doesn't sound uh, blindly partisan, and I don't, you don't mean it that way, Matt. And that is, Democrats for 50 years have been mostly bad and have mostly been following what is called a neoliberal economic policy and just handing everything to corporations and chipping away at the New Deal and Great Society social safety net. And uh, what, what was built very partially of social democracy in this country, President Biden, to his credit, and we need to understand this, as a senior statesman, he's evolved. And we as a society have an evolve or die situation. We do what clearly with our power to create a renewable economy and therefore we can prosper or we don't and we have complete cataclysm. And so it, 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 there, there are some senior statesmen that you can't teach an old dog new tricks. And but to Biden's credit, he has he has reversed himself on a lot of things he did wrong in the Senate for decades. Let, let me let me add why I think this is important. And I, you mentioned, you know, being overly partisan or seem like we're overly supportive of the Democrats. Look, I think this is really important. I've been doing this work a long time. And this is, to me, one of the most important pieces of legislation in terms of seriously addressing climate change and doing it. And Biden talked about this. This is a serious racial equity lens to the way the Inflation Reduction Act is trying to start to spend the, the money. And what what do I mean by that, folks? I mean that this is a serious attempt and that it specifically states and is trying to insert itself into the economy to say those who have been left out, largely folks of color, need to be dealt in in a serious way to this economy. Because if we're going to restructure the economy, we ought to do it in a way that goes after one of the fundamental flaws of the the previous economy that we are unwinding from. And, and that's really important. But the second thing, and I'll say this to my all of our friends on the far left, right? Myself included. This is funded by going after the folks that ought to pay for it, corporations, right? And we ought to keep going further with the billionaires tax. And I want to say this. This is part of the evolution of Biden, that this thing is funded by going after the wealthier and going after the folks in the corporate class that runs this country. And so this is important because it's a it's a it's a smack at them. It also goes after pharma, right? The insulin pieces of this are really critical. These are baby steps, folks, but they're the kind of structural things we need to get more of in 2024 and encourage Biden and others to do this. And I'll close with this. We need our state leaders to see that, you know, a lot of state folks, local folks got up on stage to trumpet this stuff, right? And I've seen them out doing ribbon cuttings and stuff with the money that national democratic leaders went and got by a progressive revenue going after and funding it. We need our state and local leaders to do more of that, right? Um, we can't just have tax cuts in our state budgets and in our budgets. We got to actually go after the wealthy again and, and have a progressive form of revenue to have permanent revenue to get the things we need and that are very, very popular. And again, the Inflation Reduction Act is a model to start doing that. It is not perfect, but it's a step in the right direction. And we need to lean into that. And, and, and to, 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 and I'm, I'm radical left too, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez says it's a down payment on the Green New Deal. It's based on Green New Deal resolution principles. So just understand that this is a huge step towards that vision, not a sellout, folks. Yeah.
Yeah, we need to understand the difference between a good compromise, in other words, the best we can get at a particular time, which this is, versus a unnecessary sell, uh, you know, compromise that's damaging, like the shared revenue deal, like the <laughs> education deal in this budget. And I hope Governor Evers, who was on the stage with President Biden uh, today, uh, this week, and will be throughout this campaign, uh, listens to what the president's saying about how to do it. So with that, we got to take a break. You're listening to the Battleground Wisconsin with Citizen Action. You can find us at citizenactionwi.org. Battleground Wisconsin is supported by the good folks at WEAC Region 2, protecting the rights of education employees and promoting public education in the central Wisconsin area. Learn more at weac.org, W-E-A-C dot O-R-G. Welcome back to the Battleground, Wisconsin. Robert, you referenced it. We're going to talk about it. And and that's the uh, Mark Antanasio billionaire who owns our brewers in Milwaukee here. And I say our because we got to be honest as progressives about the, the, the struggle that we face here with this brewer situation because the brewers are legitimately a team that is beloved and and by not only Milwaukee, but the state and baseball has a very unique history as being a statewide sponsored sport in the same way the Packers kind of are in green Bay. Um, but, and so there is a lot of that pride, right? Small town. We are the smallest market. Uh, Robert, I saw Robert confirm that with some numbers this week, uh, the smallest market in baseball. And so, and baseball is set up folks to screw cities like Milwaukee. It's it's doing it to Oakland right now. And so you like, everybody kind of understands whether you're on the left or on the right, that this is a shitty situation. Baseball has us if, if we want to try to keep this team. And they essentially are demanding that we give them half a bit, that we give, not them, excuse me, that we give the billionaire owner, because this team is functionally owned by Mark Antanasi, he's a billionaire, uh, the team is worth well north of a billion and will be continuing, guaranteed to rise in money. It will not go down. It's only 32 of them, basic economic principle. Can't expand that market. The values will go up significantly. That being said, this dude, Robert, spent well north of reported half a million dollars. We know that means this campaign's well over a million. In the last six months, lobbying just state legislators pleading poverty that they somehow don't have money to pay for the upgrades to the stadium that we built them. Robert, how do we get out of this situation? It's a terrible situation because you've got people's love and passion for a sport versus this ridiculous idea that we should be giving a multimillionaire half a billion dollars for his guaranteed profitable private business. Robert, I, I, I would, I would make this even more fundamental. I have no reason to believe that uh, that the owner of the Brewers is any worse than other billionaires. The whole culture of billionaires and corporations changed with Friedmanism. That's Milton Friedman and Reaganism, in that the ethic became make as much as you possibly can, no matter what, with no norms, and if you can shake down anyone for something, 
like including government, and even if you defund it, then you should do so. And so he is simply pursuing the logic of their- And and Robert, not only you, but MLB has set up a structure that does that and enforces it. And they sent in the King henchman a couple months ago, essentially threatening this, which we're now seeing play out, and telling us that somehow every team has to be in the top 25% of ballparks. That's mathematically impossible, Robert. And there sits Congress not challenging their their antitrust exemption, the sweetheart deal they got. There's all sorts of leverage elected officials have. They won't take it. And that's why this shift has to occur. And I think it is occurring. You're seeing Illinois saying absolutely not to the Bears on their move out of Chicago to the suburbs. I mean, the state of Illinois, they're trying to shake down the individual suburbs right now, of course, following the same path. And so, so look, I mean, before white Europeans brought private property to the U.S., I mean, the, the, the humans in this country wouldn't have understand this view of private property, that this is, you talked about this belonging, it does belong to everyone here, not only in their hearts, but we've paid for so much of it. And we need to be a little more like business people. And I think, Matt, uh, we should be thinking any money we put in, we should get part of this massive asset. Why should we put them on welfare, make them dependent, and then they get a multi-billion dollar asset to sell for for, for whatever, seven or eight generations hence in their in the family wealth uh, with this asset? In other words, they play hardball and we don't. And that was my critique of... Governor Evers in the budget process. We need to play hardball the way they are. And we need to go out. So I want to say, where is, I think, and the the problem is people are whispering their ears not to, but I think Tammy Baldwin and Gwen Moore should call for challenging MLB's business model here. And I think that we should get equity benefit asset back on a stake in the team, move this towards the uh, Packers, the only publicly owned team in in all uh, professional sports in the United States. So. What you bring up, first of all, Robert's bringing up MLB has an antitrust exemption that the Supreme Court, you know, sort of set up, but definitely is ripe to be challenged. And Baldwin, Pocan, Moore at all, right, ought to seriously consider this because they will have legions of folks stepping up to support them. Maybe not necessarily and immediately agreeing that the antitrust should be pulled, but definitely looking at it because every city feels this way. This is Oakland is going through this. Other cities have and other cities will where these franchises, these billionaires guaranteed to make money, play us off against each other. And so what Robert is suggesting there is an idea that we've been kicking around and have started talking to folks, had some conversations at the Biden event with some local leaders too, is that we really think there is a history here in this town of doing what is called community benefits agreements for the the Bucks did this for the for uh, the building of the Fiserv's. And so there was significant public money. One, guarantee, make sure these jobs are good jobs, got to pay well, got to be union. These workers got to have rights and not only the immediate jobs, but the ancillary jobs connected around the park and and related to that, all of that. But in addition, Robert's right. We already built the damn stadium and this team's guaranteed to make money. 
And Antanasio is going to sell this team and he's going to make multi, well, this is going to be worth multiple billions when it gets sold. We should get a piece of that if we have to pony up. We should get a small bit of ownership. That's what Robert is saying. And we think this is a great idea. The Packers, this is the state where we ought to start pushing this. MLB is going to scream and say, hell no, we're not going to do this. Why do they get to call the shots? They have come to the public trough as a systemic plan. We need to push back. Milwaukee should do this. Oakland is already in this fight. Other cities are well aware. It could be them. You don't think Kansas City. They're a bunch of towns. The Washington football team that was just sold for $6 billion is threatening to move to Virginia. You don't think the good folks of Washington, again, also a lot of these cities, folks predominantly color that are getting played off for tax dollars. It's it's appalling, folks. We need to stand up. Robert, this is this is the time. This is the time. And 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 that egregious expenditure of money at the state capitol should be a call to everyone. That's appalling. There that they would spend, we know they spent a billion, a million dollars on lobbying. At least the, in the last six months alone, it's, it's, it's the metrics would generally show that um, if you're doing this kind of a campaign, the strategic communication is three to four times more than the official registered lobbying. So this this might be a two, three million dollar campaign to shake down the state and local government. They want to take it away from cash strapped Milwaukee city and county, which were already being uh, mistreated terribly by the state for over the last couple decades. Look, David Crowley, county executive here in Milwaukee, is already signaling that he would like to find resources, local resources. We already know where the governor is. He was willing to give it away. It's just, it's time. It's time. We need to lead the call for a piece of the team. We need a piece of ownership. So when the team is sold, this taxpayer, we get our money back and because the team's going to be worth billions. And Antanasio will sell the team. I do believe he's trying to get his structure set up, get the financing set up so that the team is stable so he can get full value, which will be multi-billions, folks. All right, folks, we got to take a break. You're listening to the Battleground Wisconsin. When we come back, we're going to be joined by the editor of the Wausau Pilot and Review, and we're going to talk about what's been going on there and the bullying that's going on with the state senator. Folks, you're listening to Battleground Wisconsin. We're Citizen Action. You can find us at citizenactionwi.org. Battleground Wisconsin is supported by the good folks at WEAC Region 2, protecting the rights of education employees and promoting public education in the central Wisconsin area. Learn more at weact.org, W-E-A-C dot O-R-G. Welcome back to the Battleground Wisconsin. Again, we are really fortunate to welcome our guest. It is Shireen Seward. She is the editor and publisher of the Wausau Pilot and Review. Welcome. Thanks for joining us today. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. Oh, well, we are thrilled to have you. First of all, we believe in your form of media. We think it's critical that we have independent and alternative forms of journalism uh, going on right now in the current environment where 
it's hard to find good coverage of local and state news, and you do that. Uh, and in the course of that work, you have seemed to have gotten yourself in trouble uh, with a certain state senator because you're doing your job. Please tell our listeners what, what's going on with your with your uh, outlet and a certain state senator around your ability to do your work. Sure. This all started in August 2021. There was a, a debate in Marathon County at the board level uh, about whether or not to establish a diversity resolution. It was the Community for All resolution. This is something that made national headlines. It was covered by the New York Times, and it, it was hotly debated. At one of the meetings, uh, a, a young a young boy, 13 years old, uh, had the courage to stand up at, in front of the board and urge them to pass this, this measure. And during the course of that meeting, uh, he overheard uh, a man hurl a homophobic slur at him, at this teenage boy. Uh, his mother said she heard it as well. Um, and we were covering the meeting by video, so we didn't hear it until we were alerted to it later on. Uh, when we were alerted to it, we spoke to a bunch of people who were at the meeting. We uh, we we did our our reporting, and we ultimately identified uh, Corey Tomchek as as that person who who said that. Um, now, he was not a state senator at that time, but he was actively involved in in local politics. He had been a prior school board member. He um, he had been quoted multiple times in in different publications uh, about this matter and and other political matters. So we we quoted it. We thought it was important uh, to 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 do so, and we didn't hear anything for several months. Then a few months later, in October, we got a demand letter uh, from an attorney who wanted a retraction, an apology, and two hundred thousand dollars. Um, uh, accusing us of of defaming his his client, so we're a tiny little publication. So uh, you know we're freaking out, going, I don't know how we're going to do that. So we ended up hiring an attorney uh, uh, to respond to that. Well, the lawsuit was filed in November of 2021. We were fighting it ever since. In July, the judge overturned that uh, and ruled in our favor, and we were very relieved. Uh, uh, Mr. Senator Tomchek, he's now a, a uh, senator ha is appealing that decision but you know the real problem here is that over the course of the last two years the amount of of legal bills that ha have just piled up it, it's it's absolutely unbelievable so you know we get this sigh of relief when we hear that the judge ruled in our favor yes and then as soon as we breathe we remember that even if we win we lose because in Wisconsin, there's no way for us to recoup our losses here. We have to pay no matter what. That's appalling. That's yeah, appalling. It, I'm sorry. It, it's very, uh, these are, are typically called slap suits, strategic lawsuits against public participation. Uh, 32 states have anti-slap legislation, uh, rules that that prohibit this kind of, of uh, litigation. Wisconsin is not among those states. So we're not protected there. And that, that is not a fact that's widely known. Everyone we talked to when we said the lawsuit's been dismissed, they were like, yay, you can get your money back. No, we can't. So, uh, you know, it's it's very it's daunting for us as a small nonprofit newsroom with four people working, uh, working in the newsroom. That's it. Um, 
and we were it, it's terrifying you know you wake up in the middle of the night going and and by the way uh, we we i was named personally in the suit along with the newspaper as was our reporter so we wake up in the middle of the night going am i going to lose my house am i gonna, i mean what how how am i going to move forward how do i see a way forward it's straight up bullying folks just real quick uh robert's gonna have the next question but we there is a gofundme page to support helping pay these t- ridiculous legal fees we will have a link Uh, with this uh, podcast for you to go on if you want to help support this ridiculous legal fee. Uh, So please uh, help out if you can. Robert. Yeah, this is, we kind of live in this netherworld where the First Amendment is used, you know, a pretty sacrosanct concept within American democracy to defend speech around a conspiracy to overthrow a, a national election right, and uh, install someone not elected as president. First Amendment is used in that way, but then uh, people are allowed to basically bully through uh, completely baseless lawsuits at small local media outlets out of business or to to the financial breach, just hurting their resiliency. And my goodness, you go back to the framing of the Constitution, the, the level of media they were thinking about was like your paper, right? Not what is being discussed about now is a First Amendment right, you know, as far as huge, massive corporations doing social media, doing everything else. Uh, And so, I mean, Fox News claims First Amendment protection to to actually completely with malice lie about people. Right. Which is getting them in trouble now that they've sued a couple. They've done it to corporations. Right. Uh, Voting machine corporations. Um, So I just is there any kind of. um, have you heard anything from legislators or or the governor's office interested in taking care of this? Because this is a massive threat to the First Amendment, right? And uh, and and uh, the the newspaper you're leading, this is exactly what the First Amendment needs: a diversity of independent opinion, so the people can make their own decisions and have good information. I also add but maybe you can also speak to that. It doesn't look like this is a close call based on the facts. So you have eyewitnesses as to what the now state senator said, and he has nothing other than he feels defamed and denies it with no no counter evidence to the contrary. So you're, you seem to be on exceedingly solid journalistic grounds in this reporting. We have not heard from any lawmakers about this issue um, at any level. Uh, I, I will say I, I think it's unlikely for anti-slap to be to be uh, you know, put forward right now in the political climate we see ourselves in in Wisconsin. But I also want to point out that it's unfortunate that that this is being seen as a red versus blue thing. This is a truth thing. Uh, and it doesn't matter what political party the person who said it. Uh, belongs to, uh, we would have reported it in the same way, no matter what. Uh, it 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 mattered because because it was said, not because of of any kind of red blue thing. So uh, no, I would I would love to see some action on this. I'd love to see some um, some movement on anti-slot because every time we publish a story, every time a small publisher that's working their buns off publishes a story, they're putting their their livelihood on the line. Yeah, it's very clear to me, right, that not only is this a, just a direct effort to to try to shut you down, but even if you persist, 
to get you to think twice about ever doing a story like this again, right? That's the whole point of these. And not just you. Sure, everybody at the local Wausau media is well aware, right? And how do they choose to cover the senator or by extrapolation, anyone, right? And, And that's why this is so, so important that this is done. And I'll just add, in a burgeoning new form of media that I think they're terrified of, uh, that you're really independent. You just said this ain't about one party or another. It's about some fundamentals in journalism, which are desperately needed right now as news holes shrink for local and state media. Oh, and and local news is ju- is just so crucial. Uh, and with the the landscape shrinking, with those larger uh, organizations shuttering and taking journalists out of local communities, we're the ones who are demanding accountability of communities, of, of businesses, governmental bodies. It, this forces decision making structures to operate within the public's view, and it is so crucial. Let's face it, Matt is pointing out the rise of independent media. This is the new old media. This is the only media that existed when the Constitution was drafted and the Bill of Rights was drafted. Okay, so this is what was meant by the First Amendment. Absolutely. That's constructionist types would do it that way, but that's not how they use strict construction. I agree with you that the truth is not um, partisan at all. And this is about, you know, this is about a fundamental principle that used to be upheld by all ideologies of, uh, with, with, with a few radical exceptions in the history of the United States until recently, though I will point out, I, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but your, your point about it not having a chance in the current political environment has to do with one partisan not defending this, the First Amendment at its core. Um, but I do think it would be more useful, because we have legislators who listen to this, to introduce a bill to at least have a clear marker out there um, so that n- now people can run, start to run on it. How's the public know that some folks will allow uh, uh, people to hound someone out of business for telling the truth, and the, and and another and others that will stand behind them? And who knows? Maybe, maybe, maybe this is local enough and clear enough that we could find some crossover. I'm not predi- I'm not guaranteeing it, but until a proposal is made, we'll never know. Exactly. And there are states that are doing it well. Uh, there are states that we can look to uh, as a blueprint to move forward to, to get this thing going. Um, but, I, I, you know, until that happens, we're all at risk. Folks, the call's out. We got a lot of uh, state legislators who listen to the show. Um, please reach out to us. Uh, reach out to Miss Seward here. We need to move this. And I agree. Let's make this an issue. This should be an election issue. We are ready to uh, support it and and get it out there because um, state legislators should be on the record as to this and whether they support actual having an independent media, which is fundamental democracy. Thank you so much for 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 doing the work you do and for taking the time on extraordinarily short notice to join us today and educate us on what's going on. Thank you so much for having me. I I truly appreciate the opportunity. With that, folks, we got to take a break. Again, you're listening to The Battleground Wisconsin. You can find us at citizenactionwi.org. We're also on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. We're all over the place. uh, And we really want to encourage you to join us. We're a membership movement organization. We have members in Wausau. Uh, Please join us. We'll put a link to how you can get involved in citizen action battleground wisconsin is supported 
by the good folks at WEAC Region 2, protecting the rights of education employees and promoting public education in the central Wisconsin area. Learn more at weac.org, W-E-A-C dot O-R-G. Welcome back to the Battleground Wisconsin. I just, uh, before we go any further, just want to thank Shireen Seawert, the editor and publisher of the Wausau Pilot and Review for joining us. It's a great conversation. Uh, and it's actually, Robert, related to something I just want to at least mention. Uh, if you have any thoughts on it, you can, but we're still trying to gather actually further more information. But this week, Robert, uh, further north central Wisconsin news. I caught the Portage County Board this week was, you know, up to some weird business. They voted to disband their diversity committee, which is only three years old, which they started in the wake of the George Floyd <clears throat> situation, which we've obviously talked extensively about, that there was a lot of people who seized upon that moment to rethink and look at how are we doing things? Well, Apparently, that committee was so effective that they don't need it anymore. Everything's good. Diversity and everything's perfect. So what appears to be, Robert, an all-white Portage County board, I believe there's currently 24 members on that board. I think 20 of them are male, white males. These clowns actually think that they got it handled on diversity when their own body completely lacks any diversity it's 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 the height of arrogance uh robert I, if you have anything you want to say and it's great but i just wanted to flag this in light of the other thing we'll, we may talk more about this as we get more information i'm still trying to get a little bit more about what actually the vote means well, and who's all on this board but it. it's just the board it's doesn't just, the board doesn't provide pictures so we can make sure if it's not 100% white, it's certainly closed. <laughs> it's just um, ridiculous. And that then they furthermore, would do I don't know. I mean, the Supreme Court has mm -hmm. Clarence Thomas. So yeah, I'm not even saying that diversity is always diversity of actually representing the groups that 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 you are that you came from and identified with uh, racially, religiously, uh, ethnically. I will just say that this flight, the, the ability of the right to take what was a, a, a universal value really in this country, that diversity was good and loving each other was good. And on the, on the basis of Christianity, universal Christian love, now to make it partisan and controversial and now, okay, we can check the box. It's just a, causes too much anger. Yeah, it causes the kind of anger we heard from the now state senator when he used a uh, a, a, a a slur against uh, against all LGBTQ plus people um, in public, and then is filed his slap lawsuit against the uh, Wausau pilot and review. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, wh while we're at it, you know, it, I'll just add the uh, the 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 absolute shameful behavior of the folks at will stirring up uh, 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 just hate in Appleton, trying to make a big deal out of a. Uh, what seems to be a really thoughtful um, event to try to welcome uh, freshman uh, students of color and try to make that into a racial issue is appalling. And they they should they should be ashamed of themselves because they know what they're doing. And that's all we're going to say on that. Robert, I want to get your thoughts this week on the absolutely it's it'd be comical if it wasn't so serious. Robin Voss's 
and the Republicans' effort to try to make a deal out of Janet Protasiewicz having to recuse herself around any votes on redistricting, absolutely appalling. There's no basis in it in terms of their analysis. But Robert, that this would come from Robin Voss, who is the king of abuse of power? Amazing. Your thoughts? Well, they claim to be strict constructionists. I, I missed all that um, language in the Wisconsin Constitution or historical context that they said that can, that we're going to have elections for Supreme Court, but they must run in a way that no one can tell what their values are and what they might stand for. Why would you have an election then? And now we're going to codify that weird way of ducking that was really started by right-wing appointees to the U.S. Supreme Court when they started not answering questions because the questions wouldn't have a very good answer because Robert Bork answered questions and got himself in trouble as he should have. And I'll just say that this is not a surprise because uh, this Republican Party uses every ounce of power it possibly has, whereas unfortunately, there are still too many Democrats who leave legitimate power on the table. We talked about that in the state budget. Um, and so they have the right to impeach. They're going to use it because they because what is the court going to do? It's going to actually apply democratic principles and create maps where the public gets to decide who represents them rather than right-wing politicians deciding once in 2011 who should represent them and then acting like the authoritarian kings of the world like they have a legitimate right to govern. And so yes, they there's a real possibility they'll do try to do this because it's power they have on the table, even though it's illegitimate power, they don't care. They're, they're their power maximizers to the fullest. Democrats leave legitimate power, too many of them, not all of them on the table. And that needs to change because you need to step up to challenge and stop authoritarianism. And we should be thinking, I hope we're thinking, uh, people who are deeper legal experts than I am, and uh, about what, what the possible counter to this is, because this should be taken seriously. Folks, we're going to continue to watch this. I obviously, if they're serious about this and they try to follow through on it, that Robert says is right, and we'll be talking more about this. Um, but Robert, before we go, I do. There's a topic we've been meaning to talk about because we know it's very important to a lot of our listeners, and that is broadband and high-speed internet and how we get that throughout the state. And there are real issues with that in vast. Uh, swaths of this state. Um, and Biden's visit this week, he spoke specifically to that and spoke to both um, the uh, infrastructure bill and the Inflation Reduction Act and, and other things that had the, have, have resources in it, particularly, to deal with this and to provide high-speed internet throughout Wisconsin. Um, I know you have a lot of thoughts about this, particularly um, how it ought be done versus how it was done in the past and why we have we why are we still in the situation where we don't have high-speed internet throughout Wisconsin in 2023 Robert I'm glad you what we we did this topic Matt and it's something we could do ongoing given its importance because the decline of rural areas in Wisconsin elsewhere is partly because this is an information economy there are a lot of people who would live in the, in in these beautiful rural areas across Wisconsin and stay there if they could work remotely and had therefore had reliable high speed internet. 
And the reason they don't is because telecom companies don't find it profitable uh, to, to, give, to, to give the service to places to, where there isn't enough population density to get the profit margin they want. That sounds and, like electricity a long time ago. It, it sounds like a lot of things. And what we have to do, we had to have post the office. come in. The post office is the best example. People forget, we kind of like forget about how these things happened. This idea you had a flat rate postage where everyone paid the same rate wherever they were, that sending it from the most remote part of the Rocky Mountains cost you the same as across town in Chicago, New York, was revolutionary. It wouldn't have happened if we gave subsidies to FedEx and various uh, private entities. They would have just tried to do it. And if they, had, if they had not been held accountable and done it, where it was profitable for them and skip the other places. That is what the, the so this is and, a and charge disparate amounts and here's based on where right. you live. And here's the scary part. There are experts, Milwaukee Journal Sentinel has done a series of stories over the last three, four years, um, but others, um, that we've actually spent enough as a country to have universal rural broadband. It's simply not been done because there isn't accountability. You have this scary situation where the Public Service Commission, the, yeah, the people who regulate utilities, all Tony Evers appointees right now, its chair in a hearing was asked, uh, what is the what happens, what is your enforcement, what is your accountability and your, your monitoring about whether a telecom company that we handed the largely federal money over to, right, actually did uh, increase access in the in the areas that don't have it already, the underserved areas. And she said, when they sign the report on having done it, they are legally attesting to that. And even the Republican senator was shocked, state senator, there's a Republican in this legislature, said, I don't understand, we wouldn't need police on that principle. And right. where's the action by the Evers administration? Where are the bills? There's this weird kind of skittishness, and it's like the Inflation Reduction Act. We have the money to do this. It would be best if we created fully public utilities, uh, 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 broadband utilities. Short of that, if we're going to hand it out to private industry, there needs to be rigorous accountability and enforcement to make them do it, because they've already not been doing it for over a decade. There have been built about $40 billion spent before Biden, and we still don't have it. It's a scandal in front of us, and it's a great way to call the question on Republican legislators that may have competitive districts now, because they run around saying they're for broadband as they actually give it away to telecom and uh, and and the, the murkiness of Look, it. Not being a clear side in a decision undermines democracy, because if we had democracy, there'd be they'd throw people out of office in rural areas that didn't do it. This is a clear opportunity for progressive leaders and democratic leaders to have a full-throated solution here that meets the needs it's 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 just it's it's so obvious and if we don't have it the money will be it profit profiteering what shocking it's going to happen these companies are this is what they do they're heat seeking missiles their goal is not to make sure that we have broadband, high-speed internet in every place in Wisconsin. That's not their goal. That's the government's goal. That's our goal. And if we don't make sure 
and enforce that it happens, it will not happen. Folks, we're going to continue to track this and other things here at the Battleground Wisconsin, but we got to wrap up this show. It's been a great show. Uh, and again, I want to definitely, definitely thank the good folks over at the Wausau Pilot Review. When I say good folks, it's two of them. And Shireen Seawert, thank you so much for joining us, the editor and publisher. Folks, if you can help them out, please go to their GoFundMe. $150,000 worth of uh, legal fees that she has to pay. Help her out. We'll see y'all again next week here at the Battleground Wisconsin.